Peace to you. Welcome back to the Naked Truth, and thank you for joining me. It's weekday. It's Monday. So we're going to pick up where we left off in the Old Testament, um, in the book of First Chronicles, chapter 21. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So the narrator is letting us know this here. You know, I don't know who the narrator is because this book is called Chronicles, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's Chronicles, so I'm not sure who the scribe is or narrator is or uh, or, or originator who it is who's saying it. Now they're attributing, <clears throat> excuse me, the actions of David. That's the same David and Goliath. David, they're attributing something he did to Satan. Um, the devil. Um, it's not red letters, obviously. Um, it's um, not something Jesus said. Um, but also, it seems to me it's nothing more than editorializing. It's whoever has scribed it or passed it on, letting uh, David off for his actions by putting them on to Satan, basically saying the devil made him do it. Verse 2, so David said to Joab, and to the leaders of the people, go number Israel from Beersheba to Dan, and bring the number of them to me, that I may know it. So um, the big offense that David committed, and we read about this already when we went through the books of the Kings, uh, was a census. That's what David is calling for, a census of the people. Dan and the Beersheba is basically... Um, a way of saying everyone from north to south, from every corner of the land, to, um, to take the account of everybody. That's the big offense. Verse 3, And Joab answered, May the Lord make his people a hundred times more than they are. Well, my Lord, the king, are they not, <clears throat> excuse me, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then does my Lord require this thing? Why should he be a cause of guilt in Israel? So Joab is um, David's right-hand man. He's like the commander of his army. Um, fiercely loyal and just as uh, cutthroat as David is sometimes. Um, and then at the end of the day, they ended up, he ended up not being so loyal to him either, uh, if I remember right. But that's who Joab is. And Joab is the one asking David, well, why even bother to do a census? Um, and why don't why not just let it be enough that uh, the people are many and God bless us to be many more? Uh, why do you want to count the people? Is what Joab is asking David. Verse four. Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Therefore, Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. So Joab is the one apparently appointed for the census, and he's done a count and made it to the area. Same Jerusalem as in modern times. Verse 5, Then Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to David. All Israel had 1,100,000. Wait, 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 let me start that again. Then Joab gave the, number of the, gave the sum of the number of the people to David. All Israel had 1,100,000 men who drew the sword, and Judah had 400 and 70,000 men who drew the sword. So it's a, at least a million and a half, million and a half um, men able to be soldiers 
alone, not to mention the women and children, because remember, it's all about the fellas, it's patriarchy. Verse 6, but he did not count Levi and Benjamin among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. So even though Joab was given a job to do, uh, that his boss, David, the king, the president, the emperor, uh, the commander-in-chief told him to do the census because he didn't agree with the order. He didn't do a complete uh, count. He left out the Levites. That's one tribe. That's basically the religious uh, branch of the tribes, of the so-called 12 tribes, and Benjamin, that's the youngest of the patriarchs um, that make up the 12 uh, patriarchs of the 12 tribes. Um, so for what, I'm not sure why he would leave that one out. I could see why he might leave the religious uh, count out, um, but I'm not sure why he'd leave Benjamin out. Maybe he's of Benjamin and didn't want to have that census be on him and his family, clan. Or um, also, I'm not sure how it is he knows that it would be so abominable. Why is it that Joab thinks that a census would be so bad? Um, it's unclear, and I don't think it was mentioned when we went over it before in Kings, or maybe it was Chronicles. Verse twenty, um, verse 7, and God was displeased with this thing, therefore he struck Israel. So narrator again here is letting us know that because they did a census account of the people, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that it displeased God. How the narrator knows that, I don't know, uh, but there's, uh, I think what they're doing is my guess, totally my guess, is that they're doing 2020 hindsight. They're seeing something happen and the um, it'll, it'll probably be a plague, some sort of sickness or epidemic that sh strikes the people when they died and it might have coincided with the census and so maybe they'll conflate the two saying that it's because you did the census that that terrible thing happened to you. Just a guess, like I said, just a guess. Uh, verse 8, so David said to God, uh, did we miss one? Um, verse 7, and God was displeased with this thing. Therefore, he struck Israel. Okay, so we did read it, but it didn't say how uh, he struck Israel, or at least according to the narrator, how God struck Israel. Verse 8, so David said to God, I've sinned greatly because I've done this thing, but now I pray, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I've done very foolishly. So now that the other people have paid for David's sins, since it's David who called for the census and it's the census that's so offensive, we see that other um, other people do pay for your own sins and offenses and crimes. Now, maybe those people are paying for it in the sense that they had it coming to them. They happen to be a symbol for a certain purpose, like they were all people who were up to no good, say like the people who ransacked the Capitol on the 6th, which, by the way, you know, January 6th, um, you see that they didn't charge the previous president with inciting a riot, but they just charged somebody, a rapper, He's, so you can guess what color he was. He wasn't the same color as the president. They are charging him with inciting a riot, even though all, all, even though all he was doing was trying to be charitable, or at best being a capitalist. He had, was doing a giveaway of basically game consoles and things in, um, in the big city. And a whole bunch of people showed up. It went viral, apparently. Um, the invitation was to wh whosoever will. 
and everybody, a whole lot of people showed up and there turned out to be a lot of arrests. And right away, he's arrested. I don't know if he's arrested, but he's in, he's charged same day, right away, with inciting a riot. Yet you see, it's been how many years now since January 6th? And the person who incited that riot gave a speech that the whole world saw because it all unfolded right there in real time for the world to see. Uh, yet he hasn't been charged with that and in fact wasn't charged with that at all with the most recent charges he had with all of his arraignments he hasn't gone to jail yet how many other people can you think of I can think of zero that are my complexion that would still be out uh, walking free having been arraigned uh, so many times on so many different crimes and uh, still walking around free like anybody else and not just free talking that good stuff giving speeches and rallies and raising money this is some kind of a uh, sick system it really is uh and it's white supremacists all the way and i hope that doesn't offend anybody it's not uh a, any dig against white people it's something about white supremacy and it's white supremacy because you see like i said you don't see it happening to any black people you can be an oj you can be a bill uh, bill cosby you can be a, the most beloved black person especially black male in the country and the world and let you do the wrong thing and the outcome of you will be totally different from what someone who it just be the suspicion of you doing those things will have an outcome so different than someone who does their crimes right there on live tv for the world to see who three years later now still hasn't been uh gone to jail yet for any of those things they do the technical things like arraignments uh without any sort of arrest or custody, any sort of mugshots. It's, and yet we're to believe everyone's equal. Don't believe that because it's just not true. I wouldn't recommend you believe that. It's not true. Verse eight. So David said to God, I've sinned greatly. So he's basically confessing his sin in doing the census and um, praying for forgiveness. That's what repentance is. Something that somebody says they don't ever do, have never done, yet Christians follow that person. It's it's crazy. Verse 9, then the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer, saying, so now the narrator is letting us know that the messages that uh, at this point that David are getting are being um, the telephone for the message, the medium for the message is the prophet known as Gad, a person known as Gad. And the entity that Gad is getting the messages from, it uh, translate to, translates to the word Lord in English, but it's in all capitals. If you can notice that in your Bible and see, and it means uh, it's Lord in English, but it's from the word or name Jehovah or Yehovah, or as some preachers will pronounce it, Yahweh or Yahweh. It's all of whichever one of those pronunciations that's the entity that's being referred to when it's in capital L-O-R-D. Um, um, and that's who is the narrator here is letting us know is passing these divine messages to Gad, the prophet, the seer. That's why he's called the seer. It just means a prophet. That's who's receiving the messages um, and passing them on to David. Uh, so he's the intermediary. And here's the message, verse 10. Go and tell David, saying, Thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. So now it seems the Lord is giving David an option um, 
of how he's going to pay for his sins. He's getting three options. It's sounding like the wishmaster. He's get telling Gad, the prophet, to go and tell David this message. Here's your three choices for how you're going to get paid back for the offense of doing a census. Verse 11. So Gad came to David and said to him, Thus says the Lord, choose for yourself. So now Gad the prophet, the seer, has returned to David the king and letting him know the choices that he has to choose from. Verse 12. Either three years of famine or three months to be defeated by your foes with the sword of your enemy overtaking you. Or else, for three days, the sword of the Lord, the plague in the land, with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Now consider what I should take back to him who sent me. So that's a kind of long verse. So we're going to go over it bit by bit. The three options that Gad the seer is giving to David the king that the Lord Jehovah, and I'm just going to say Lord now since it says Lord, um, but so that you have in your mind what entity is being worshipped at this point and referred to. So in some versions of your Bible, it might say instead of three years of famine, it may say seven. And in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 24, when this same episode is uh, reviewed uh, by the scribe or narrator, it says seven, but it's referring to the same incident. Um, so David's choices, they're not so good. Three years of famine, that means three or seven years of the people starving in the land. Uh, three months to be defeated by your foes with the sword of your enemies overtaking you. So the second choice is wars that you keep losing. or And then the third choice is, uh, and those wars for three months. So you're going to be, he's, so he gets three years of famine or three months of defeat in war or the third choice or else for three days, the sword of the Lord, the plague in the land with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. So the um, each uh, each option is more horrific than the previous one. That's why the time of each one is shorter and shorter. It seems the Lord is balancing it out. So either you get a long time of um, starvation, uh, three years of famine, or you get a much shorter time of ten, uh, three months of um wars so that you know how destructive that is uh and how much you have to rebuild after wars go on and not only that losing the wars that you're involved in um for three months that's got to be pretty terrible like imagine ukraine look at what's happened there over the last what year and a half two years um i say ukraine because that's one of the more recent most publicized and Let's be honest, white wars, and that it gets more attention than the long ongoing wars of the black people on the continent. Um, it just does. It gets more attention. It gets more money. It gets more sympathy. It's more white supremacy that those lives matter more, even though the wars are just as evil to everyone involved in them. <clears throat> Excuse me. So those are his three options. Um, the three years of famine with lots of people starving, three months of terrible wars and losing at them, or for three days, 
plagues breaking out. So it sounds like the plague would be worse than COVID or, you know, at least as bad and much more deadly than COVID. If it's saying the angel of the Lord destroying out throughout all the territory, sounds like it'll be something fast moving and over really fast if it's um, killing in three days and it's over with. Um, although I heard recently that leprosy is back, crazy as that seems. Um, it's back and it's shown up in central Florida, of course. Verse 13, so what will David choose? And David said to Gad, great distress, uh, fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are very great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. So David answered wisely. He figures uh, he doesn't want to end up at some person's mercy. So he figures at least God's given him an option. He's given him three options. So might as well be thankful for that and choose the best of the three. So he figures it fall into the hand of the Lord. And of the three options, the one that sounded like the hand of the Lord being busy, it was that last option, that three days of um, um, death and plague walking through the land. Um Let's see if that's how it will be perceived, because that's not exactly what was offered. But he said, um, fall into the hand of the Lord, so count on the Lord's mercy. How will the Lord take that? Verse 14, so the Lord sent a plague upon Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell, fell. So that sounds like it's much worse than COVID. If you're talking about in just three days, 70,000 people dying. At the height of the epidemic, I don't think it was killing that many people that fast. Um, but to get an idea, that's what's happened. 70,000 people dying in just three days. And not around the world, but just of their uh, their uh, nations. Their nation. I guess it would be nations since it's Israel and Judah. Um, verse 15. Well, Judah, I guess, since it's David. That's right. So it's all one kingdom. So, yeah, that's 70,000 of one kingdom. Verse 15, and God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. As he was destroying, the Lord took and looked and relented of the disaster and said to the angel who was destroying, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Arnon, the Jebusite. So um, because David called for a census, the people are falling in a massacre that the Lord has is orchestrating. The people are being murdered and killed um, by the, it says the angel of the Lord. And usually most preachers say when it says angel with a capital A, that it's referring to um, uh, uh, the actual presence of the Lord God, God's self. I don't believe any of that because I don't believe it not because it's, not what it says, but because Jesus says, you know, otherwise about no one having seen God. They hadn't seen God's face or heard his voice at any time and um, in more than one place in the Gospels. So personally, I don't believe this is God Almighty um, that they're interacting with, but it is their, the entity that they're um, that they, they worship and are calling the Lord. And it's who's being identified as the Lord. And the events, they're documenting saying they happen. So we're reading them. Um, so now they're being stricken with a plague with 70,000 people dying. Verse 15, 
and God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. So on top of the plague, <coughs> excuse me, um, the city itself is um, on target to be destroyed also. But at the last moment, it seems God is relenting, having a change of heart and deciding not to also destroy the city itself. Because according to the Bible, it's the Lord's favorite place in the entire world, not just planet earth but in the entire world jerusalem is so but the thing with that is it could be the jerusalem that we know uh, that we're reading about now that exists in modern times that existed in ancient times when it was called something else jebus or according to revelation it could be the new jerusalem that will someday come down out of heaven and we when we read revelation i told you what i think that is i think that's if it's a manifestation of space travel becoming a thing, colonizing other planets and places becomes a thing. And so the place where people go to worship is someplace else. And so that in that sense, it will be coming down out of heaven, as crazy as that may sound. Um, it may not actually be here on Earth. Um, and the way the world is going, like the Bible says, there'll always be summer and winter summer and winter heat and cold but it doesn't mean we'll be around to see it or enjoy it or live to live through it uh or that it'll be in balance it may be long stretches of one or the other uh like nothing but drought and uh famine and then a change in its time in its season god only knows but these temperatures don't seem like something that's sustainable it reminds me of and then we'll keep moving on it looks like we're almost done um, this movie called Habitat, great movie from the 90s, um, that's sort of prophetic about what times where we seem to be heading toward, where everything has changed, everything's so warped by the way people live, the excesses and imbalances of people with the environment, or environment, with nature, with each other, with uh, the economy that um, the world pays for it, and then people end up paying for it. It's a great movie. And in a lot of the things that it, it showed, it's science fiction, my favorite genre, showed are coming true. They're happening now, as crazy as it seems. Um, I'll try to remember to put a link to it in the description. Verse 16, Then David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven, having in his hand a drawn sword, stretched out over Jerusalem. So David and the elders, clothed in sackcloth, fell on their faces. So uh, it doesn't say that the elders were able to see the angel that's going through killing, um, but David is able to see it. Um, and the elders and other people present are able to see uh, David um, prostrating himself and throwing himself down, uh, begging for mercy, basically. So they're doing the same thing. Uh, and they probably are witnessing the massacre also, even if they're not able to actually see the angels that's doing it, as David seems to be able to see. Maybe they are, which will make it even more terrifying. Verse 17, and David said to God, was it not I who commanded the people to be numbered? I'm the one who sinned and done evil indeed, but these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, O oh Lord, my God, but not against your people, that they should be plagued. So 
if you've read with me before, you, you know what's happened there with, earlier in, in this first, in this chapter and right there. Uh, some of these things I wouldn't read out loud if I were you, but you know, do what you want. Um, as for me, Matthew twelve thirty seven is why I would not. But what David is saying in this verse, you can still go over what it's saying, is um, he's saying he's the one who's guilty. He's the one who deserves the punishment. So why is it that all the innocent sheep, people, should have to pay for his sin? So he's um, begging that um, the Lord's wrath be turned on him rather than them. I mean, it's kind of late. 70,000 people are already dead because of him. And it's still not clear to me why the census would be so offensive. I guess it would be because um, the people would have the prophecy, the scripture that tells them there'll be as many, or there'll be, uh, there'll be his, uh, the descendants of Abraham would be as the sand of the sea. But I think it's saying it metaphorically because the word as is there. Um, maybe as a simile. Um, so um, it didn't mean literally trillions and trillions of people um, like the sand of the sea. I don't think it meant a multitude um, and which it has become and which it was then. But I guess that would be what the offense is that they were trying to count it out and see, well, are we really as many as it looks like? Because a million and a half people would look like a lot of people if that's just the men. You count the women say just a million more women, that's two and a half million people. And if they had a couple of kids each, that's four to five million um, right there that are traveling in a pack. So it could probably seem like, or living in a pack, living near each other. So it could seem like it's New York City, um, a, a crowd in that tiny little area that it's uh, as the sand of the sea. But in reality, he's counted it. And maybe that's what the offense was. Other than that, I'm not sure why a census would be so offensive. Uh, but let's keep reading. Verse 18. Therefore the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. So um, now the um, place where they're at, at that threshing floor where they deal with harvesting wheat, basically, um, that's where they're at. That's where the uh, of Ornan the Jebusite, Jebus, Jebus again is what the area of Jerusalem used to be called. Um, and so apparently Ornan lived there before already when it was called that, or at least he's known from that. Um, so they want to erect basically an altar there at his property, and that's what's being ordered by the seer for David to do um, at that site to please the Lord. Verse 19, so David went up at the word of Gad, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. So David is being obedient to the word that the seer has passed on to him of what the Lord would have him do as far as this threshing floor of Ornan. Verse 20, now Ornan stood, no, no, excuse me, now Ornan turned and saw the angel and his four sons who were with him hid themselves. Now Ornan turned and saw the angel. And his four sons who were with him hid themselves, but Renan continued threshing wheat. So that answers my question about whether they could see the angel or not. Apparently the angel showing up and murdering everybody was something everyone could witness and see. <coughs> Excuse me. And apparently was everyone was terrified by, um, including Renan's sons, but not Renan. He apparently just paid no attention and kept going on about his business. 
verse 21. So David came to Ornan, and Ornan looked and saw David, and he went out from the threshing floor and bowed before David with his face to the ground. That just seems like a bit much. Saint, talk about sanctimonious. So he's paying a, no attention to the Freddy Krueger style uh, angel that's killing everybody, massacring everybody in the city, standing up there and showing, appearing to him uh, supernaturally. He's paying that no attention. But the president, the king, David, shows up. Suddenly he's jumping up, dropping what he's got to do, and running over to go pay homage to the president, the king, showing up. I don't but it's hot read, so we're reading. Verse 22, Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing, threshing floor, that I may build an altar to it, an altar on it to the Lord. You shall grant it to me at the full price, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. So David is making an offer to buy Ornan's threshing floor from him so that he can uh, apparently make atonement to please what it is, appease the Lord uh, with the offering he's requiring at that site. Verse 23, But Ornan said to David, Take it for yourself, take it to yourself, and let my lord the king do what is good in his eyes. Look, I also give you the oxen for burnt offerings, the threshing implements for wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I give it all. So Ornan sounds like Magda. He's completely dedicated to David, his king, willing to give him all of his property, including his animal, who would be his livelihood, and let him take his, uh, his implements, his tools, and use them to burn for the burnt offering that David wants to make. And he's willing to give it to David. David offered to buy all of the stuff from him. He's willing to give it to him. He is beyond dedicated. Verse 24. Then King David said to Ornan, No, but I will surely buy it for the full price, for I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings with that which costs me nothing. So uh, David seems a little pious here, letting him know that, no, he's going to go ahead and uh, he appreciates the offer. Um but no, he'll go ahead and buy it from him at the full price because um, he can't take anything free and then offer it to the Lord. And that's the pious part. If David really wanted to be, if he wanted to be Christian, he would have not mentioned the part about why he's buying it and making mention that he's going to use it for uh, the burnt offering and whatnot. He would have just bought it. He would have just uh, went to him, made a good offer to him. And the fact that it's the king buying it from him lets us know the way he's acting like a super fan, he would have sold it to him. So that would have, seems to me, would have been the saint, the, the truly sanctified way in doing it. But instead, of, instead, offering to pay full price for it and letting him know he's doing it as an offering to God um, and that he can't do it because take anything free and then offer that to the Lord doesn't seem, seem a little pretentious to me and does seem to cross the line of what Jesus tells us to do when we do our charitable deeds to make it super secret. Don't let our left hand know what our right hand is doing instead of announcing it for the world to know. Verse 25, so David gave Ornan 600 shekels of gold by weight for the place. So David bought the place from him um, just like that for 600 shekels and 
you can look it up yourself and see how much that would be worth in modern times. Um, I think, by the way, though, could be wrong. Look it up and see. I think this is the same place where the temple was eventually built, then destroyed. Then the other temple was eventually built and then destroyed. And we're now the uh, Rock of the Dome, or I think it's called. Um, I think it's that same area um, that this is referring to. Again, it could be wrong, but you can look it up and see for yourself. If so, feel free to let me know. Verse 26, And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire on the altar of burnt offering. So now um, David's interacting directly with God again. Um, instead of with one of the seers, the prophets, Nathan or Gad, and running back and forth with the message, now David is uh, back in touch with God. I guess he's back in favor now. Um, and so God is answering him with fire uh, on the burnt offering. I presume that's lighting it himself. God lighting the fire itself. I don't know. Verse 27, so the Lord commanded the angel, and he returned his sword to its sheath. So that's the Lord answering David's plea um, by telling the angel that apparently they could see to stop killing the people because David made this offering to me in this specific space where I told him to, and he paid for the property from that guy. So, or Nan. And that was enough to stop the plague. So we're just reading it. Verse 28, at that time, when David saw that the Lord had answered him on the threshing floor for Nan the Jebusite, he sacrificed there. So since David sees he's back in favor and getting answers again, he figures, okay, this is the spot. The Lord has told me to go buy this place. So I bought it. Um, and he told me to make an offering there. So, uh, and I've done that. And he's answered me on the fire there with my offering. So this must be the spot. I'm going to go ahead and make this place the um, uh, where you want to get in touch with God. This is where you go. And again, I think that's why that's where it ended up becoming the space of the temple. But we'll keep reading. Verse 29, for the tabernacle of the Lord and the altar of the burnt offering, which Moses had made in the wilderness, were at that time at the high place in Gibeon. So the different articles that people will use for worship. Prior to this point in the narrative, um, the tabernacle, that'd be like the church, the synagogue, the temple, the mosque, the place, the building where people would go to worship, um, and um, the altar for burnt offering, the place where they make their uh, fire sacrifices, um, the ones which um, Moses, that's the one who, Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments, Moses, um, the places are in a different area. They're in Gibeon, a different area to go and worship. So this uh, site in Jerusalem is something brand new, um, sort of. Um, and I, again, I think it's the site uh, where it's still considered reverent and um, revered in modern times. Verse 30, but David could not go before it to inquire of God, for he was afraid of the sword of the angel of the Lord. So, uh, David sees he's getting answers now that he's made these offerings. Uh, he's getting answers from God, but he's scared to go there in front of that altar 
Were the burnt sacrifices made that apparently provoked the answer to the answer from the entity, from God, uh, from the Lord? Uh, but he's scared to go there because uh, seventy thousand people just died. An angel apparently is still wandering around, roaming around with that uh, with death in its eye, or whoever it wanted to encounter. Um, but apparently now it stopped. It said it put its sword in its sheath, so that means. People aren't still dropping dead at the presence of the angel of the Lord that's been going around killing the people. So at that much, David has at least done well ending that plague. He's dealt well with the epidemic. But that was the last verse of this chapter, so that's where we'll end this reading. Thank you for reading along with me. I hope you make it truth is a blessing for you and that you'll join me again. I love you. See you next time. Peace be with you.